2: is the Pack-a-Day Podcast. Hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. One-stop shop for all things green and gold as we're inching closer and closer to training camp. And Mike here with Matt Fralick and Matt. It's becoming all too real that football season is very rapidly approaching. And that's why we got some more top ten lists for
1: you. More top 10 lists got to get into the big journalism type stuff. You're breaking the top 10 list and yeah, it is getting real. I'm super pumped, man. Like every podcast we do and it's great to be like, you'll just go through this like chronologically is like every week we're getting closer and closer and closer and the excitement builds um, I hope you guys are sensing that from everyone on the Pack-A-Day podcast, but we are, what would it say, the? it'll be the 18th when this podcast is released. We're 10 days in from the first practice. Like It's getting more real, and I'm I'm super pumped to get in this top 10 list and just get the juices flowing a little bit more.
2: For sure, and we will be talking about ESPN's offensive top 10 list. So we'll six positions to cover over the next however long it takes. I mean, last week was a little long. I'm sure this one might be a little bit as well. But, of course, follow us wherever you can find your podcast, your favorite platform. We will be there on Twitter, at Podcast and follow our YouTube channel with the work that Andy's done. It has been great, and we're glad to keep bringing you guys to podcasts every single day and YouTube videos every day as well. It's been a joy, and we hope to continue as long as the world is still functioning. So that being said, let's jump right in. Let's start with offensive tackles. Mm -hmm. you got our top ten lists Again, this is compiled by scouts, coaches, personnel people. Whether we think they're intelligent or not is not our decision, but Jeremy Fowler's is one who wrote the compilations of these lists, so we'll jump right in. The number one offensive tackle, according to ESPN, is Trent Williams of the 49ers, jumping up from number three last year. And took, took a year off after the fiasco that was his career in Washington at the very end and all that stuff that happened with his medical. And he didn't miss a beat, and San Francisco got a steal not until they had to pay him. Mm-hmm. Now we'll see how that goes, because he got a $138 million extension at age 32, oh, which yeah. could age well, could age not, depending on him. It could be Andrew Whitworth, and it could be some other guys. But when he is on, Trent Williams is an elite, Hall of Fame level left tackle. 100%.
1: Super athletic. I, I And he's done it in two different spots now, too. Um, you know, Did his time with the Washington football team. Now he gets to play for a little bit more competitive team out west, but I have no problem with Trent Williams being number one.
2: And then we get to number two, and it's everyone's favorite, David Bakhtiari. He was rated as high as one and as low as six. So he's been ranked. He ranked really high with every single voter that they use, all 50 of them. Williams was as low as number 10, but D-back between one and six. He was
1: number seven last year. He climbs all the way to number two. It's crazy that he would have been number seven last year. That's That's kind of wild to me, Um, but I love to see d up there. I mean, unfortunately, like the one of the big question marks people kind of keep forgetting about, at least I feel people are forgetting about is just his health going into in a training camp preseason in the regular season. And what does that look like? What does the offensive line look like before then? Does some younger guys get some playing time? But, um, you know, he's been consistent throughout his entire career, um, rarely injured. And I'm. (laughs) Love that. <laughs> I love that he's the offensive tackle for the Packers. Like it's, It doesn't get much better than that, and having that consistency there with him has been incredible.
2: The, the description that they wrote for Bakhtiari's entry is really mm-hmm. fascinating. Like Teams want a tackle that can wear down the opposition, and that's what Bakhtiari did on this list, climbing to number two thanks to a stellar eight-year profile. This is a quote from an NFC exec. I think it's more respect for the consistency he's put together while other players have fallen off. He's such an easy eval. He's very good at everything, just lacking the least size and power. So dependable at a position where that's so important.
3: Mm-hmm. Who
2: surprisingly ranked seventh last year, had an impressive 93% pass block win rate before tearing his ACL. another quote from an exec was, the system aids him, takes him to the next level. He's solid. O-line play is in stellar league wide. Why do I don't feel like that guy doesn't have an offensive line that he's been uh, compiling over his career.
1: Yeah, he must be a beat writer for some really shitty offensive line place. Like, let's uh, throw a Like, he's probably, like, in Miami or something. He's just like, this offensive line sucks. It's been shitty for a while. We've had a couple uh, tackles here and there. But, you know, Packer fans listening, I'm sure there's a lot of them, um, you know, people we even probably record Pack-A-Day with that think Bocciari could be number one. Um, And you could base that off of his longevity. Uh, Trent Williams has been banged up for the majority of his career, at least half of it. Hasn't played a full season since 2013 and obviously missed the 2019, 2019 campaign. Um, but I think his athleticism gets him to the top, that being Trent Williams. Um, but I would, you know, I, it's it's so tough because there's so many offensive linemen that just have such a great offense or a great quarterback that they're able to protect. So it makes their job a little bit easier. Um, but I'm OK with him being number two. Number one would have been great, but that's that's totally fine with me.
2: It's almost a one A one B situation. Right. Right. Plus, Debacko. he's still only one twenty nine. Yeah. He's still young, and he's still got a lot of years left, and that's mm-hmm. gonna be gonna be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Our first truly young player jumps in at number three, and that's I did not realize Larry Tunsil is still only twenty six. He's yeah. number
1: three from Houston.
2: So yeah, Houston really... is represented on this on in any of
1: these top ten I think, for the first time. Uh, yeah, they had no defense last week. I know that for a fact. So, yeah, 26. Wow, I did not expect that. That seems like that saga for the Dolphins like lasted until he was at least 25, 26. But damn, yeah. I mean, number three's solid. There's there's a couple of younger guys in this list that we're gonna get into, and there's a few question marks. But I, I have no problem with him being at the three spot. Yeah,
2: Tunsil's is very, very good, and hell yeah. For once, they they gave up a lot for him, but he's panned out. He's been. Mm-hmm. He's been worth. Mm-hmm. He's been an elite left tackle. Taron Armstead comes at number four from the New Orleans Aints. Twenty-nine years old, another freak athlete, but he he's also never played a full sixteen-game season. Tough. But he's a, but he's also not not the only Saint we'll be talking
1: about on this list. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. mm Mhm. Yeah, Tar- Armstead solid. Um, I didn't know I didn't know he's been injury prone. I figured I if I would guess I would have thought he would have been pretty consistent, but um. Another quality offensive lineman, and again, back to what I just said in the last guy, like, or not Tunsil, but before that, um, has played with a great quarterback, has played generally on an exceptional team, so it's it 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 makes your job a little bit easier.
2: And then number five was Ronnie Stanley for Baltimore, who was number four last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's tw- another guy, twenty seven. He's a good player. He's had he's had a he's a really solid pass blocking left tackle. Coming off a big knee injury though, he only played six games last year. Right. But when he's he's another guy where he kind of fell in the draft. Mm-hmm. I think there might have been some injury risk, or I don't know what the concern was why he fell in the draft. Whether it was the fear of Notre Dame tackles, I don't know. But he did drop a little bit, and Baltimore definitely got a steal with him.
1: Hundred percent. I thought Ronnie Stanley actually should have been a little bit higher. I know he had that knee injury last year, but um, I, I still think Stanley's kind of an underrated dude across the league. Um, I believe he didn't he just sign a big contract too. yeah. Five year, uh, 112, 112 million. Not too bad. Um, but excuse me, it's an ankle injury too. But like, yeah, I, I think Stanley honestly should have been higher. I probably would have bumped him up and maybe dropped Armstead down or maybe flip flop him and Tunsil, but Stanley's really, really sodden And I feel like, you know, With the personalities the Ravens have had for a number of years, you rarely you rarely get into their offensive linemen. They've had a really, really solid offensive line, which has let them you know, be versatile in this transition period with Lamar Jackson in that, in that predominant running game.
2: For sure. And I think also, as we're reading through this list, I think the top five on every position we, for the most part, agree with. Yeah. But it's the the second five where the debates really begin and it's really fun. Definitely. And that includes right here with Makai Becton at number six. And I someone had him as high as number two. Crazy. And the it's first crazy. line is Becton is the classic eye test guy. Watch him move and become a believer. At six seven, he's got yeah, he's got all the athleticism, all the traits you want. As an AFC Scout said, he's got a Hall of Fame traits. He's also playing on the Jets. And yeah. he and he had some really good and some really bad moments as a rookie and with these types of lists and we talked about it last week, they kind of skewed younger or to, to Mm -hmm. some guys like, and that could be happening here where they're seeing what he could be instead of what he is. I think he very well could be the number six tackle in the next year or two. But is he right now, especially with some of the names still that we haven't said yet?
1: I mean, let's just go under the assumption they're trending younger with this list. There's still a dude later on this list that I think is better than him that was also a rookie last year. Um whether he benefited from a far superior team I, that remains to be seen but like I don't think Becton's the number 6. I really don't. Like there's even guys, there's maybe one or two even on the um honorable mention that I would even throw up maybe in front of him. That's it's just kind of crazy to think that a rookie for the Jets would be in a top, you know, a top 6 list on any Offense defensive category. So I, this is the first one. Like you said, I, as soon as we get out of the top five, you and I both have have gripes.
2: And num- the number seven, and this is another one where it's kind of you either love him or hate him, and that's Taylor Lewan in Tennessee.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I personally like him because I, I saw the stuff he pulled when they were at uh, cheering on the Nashville Predators in the NHL oh, yeah. a few years ago. Yep. And you had him and his teammate shirtless chugging beer, do a pull their best boxyari in a hockey rink. Mm-hmm. But another guy who's who was hurt, but he plays nasty. He's physical. He is going to get in your face. And this is an, an offensive line coach's quote. He's a nasty player. He will do all the extra stuff to piss people off. I think he gets in people's heads more than anything. Long individual plays with a motor. That's Taylor Lewan. Yeah, he is the enforcer of that Tennessee offensive line, and they definitely missed him last year. They've they've gone nine and thirteen in games that he hasn't played.
1: Good stat. Really good stat. Good prep. That's, um, that's huge. And yeah, he is a tone setter for them for sure. He gets out in space. He's not afraid to mix it up with guys. He's kind of that. He's kind of like a personality the Packers have always wanted for a number of years on their offensive line. I think they have a little bit of that with, um, Lucas Patrick, but you want Taylor Lewan's one of those guys also super athletic, but like, if you're playing against him, you hate him. But if he's on your team, you absolutely love him. And, I think he is – between him and Trent Williams, probably two of the most athletic guys on this list we've talked about. Becton's probably up there as well. But um, I'm a fan of Taylor LeJuan. Number seven, I'm not so sure about just because he's missed a bunch of games in the last three years. I want to say it's like 20 games, 16 games, something like that. Um, and But like you said, super, super valuable, that team, going 9-13 and 13 without him.
2: Hey, number eight, here's that other rookie you were talking about. It's Tristan Wirfs in Tampa Bay. Only 22. He – a spectacular athlete he tested ridiculous I know Mm -hmm. coming into the draft came in they moved him put him right at right tackle day one and he fit in immediately he is he reminds me a lot of Ronnie Stanley he is so technically sound and so consistent that he's not going he's not going to beat himself and that's gonna make guys like Tom Brady feel comfortable with
1: him out there I just don't understand how worse is behind Beckton. I I don't get it. I I don't know what to do. I'm not sure. Am I wrong? Like, tell me. Correct me if I'm wrong. Please.
2: I'm I'm with you. And reading the blurb around him, it almost implies that because he plays with Brady, who gets the ball out quicker than whoever the Jets are rolling out every now and then, that helps worse compared to Beckton who had to hold his blocks longer.
3: hmm
2: But. Worse and even here it says Tampa Bay is ecstatic that Wurfs fell out to him with 13 last year. He had a better rookie than Beckham, but many voters prefer the upside of the Jets'
1: tackle. This isn't this so isn't a, like a draft list. This isn't like a who like who is like the what, best tackles. Right? Like, what the hell does that even mean? Uh, yeah, I I don't agree with any of that. I think Worfs could make even a case for a top five. Uh, probably not because he's a rookie, and I'm gonna stick with that. But I, there's just no way Beckton's better than Werfs, in my opinion.
2: Agreed. Number nine is Tyron Smith from the Cowboys. He was number one on this list last year. And he someone still ranked him number one, and someone actually didn't even vote for him at all. He's 30 years old. He's missed a ton of time. Mm-hmm. He hasn't played more than 13 games since 2015. Missed 14 games last year with a neck issue. But if if he can't be on the field is, are you a top 10 player and neck issues are no joke especially for an offensive lineman who has played nine, 9 years in the NFL at this point
1: yeah uh, unfortunately for the the Dallas Cowboys I'm not going to give them too much sympathy but they've had a couple linemen who have been absolutely exceptional and just had injuries or really odd um you know health concerns going on Tyron Smith dude like he is an absolute mauler, just an absolute beast of a human. And if he's healthy, that's awesome. Like, they're really, really good. But like you said, he hasn't been on the field consistently at all. He's constantly injured, constantly banged up. Um, You mentioned since 2016, hasn't played a full season. Last year, missed majority of the season, only played two games. I've, I think Tyron Smith is – I thought he was going to be one of those, like, decade – great offensive tackles when he came into the league just because i think he went about his business the right way he kind of just set the tone for that offensive line when they had that full kind of revamp for that entire offense post tony romo and he's been super super solid for them unfortunately like he's been he's been injured nagging injuries like you said neck injury um but again one of those super athletic guys that with him lawan trent williams extremely good when healthy and on the field, but I've always been a fan of Tyron Smith. I think he plays the game the right way and um, has been a huge asset to the Cowboys that seem to have personalities that get in the limelight and he sticks out of it
3: for sure.
2: And then moving on to number 10 is a guy who I actually got to meet uh, back in the spring. I got to interview him and he was one of the nicest players I've ever interviewed. And that's Ryan Ramchak for the saints. Mm -hmm. Of course, Wisconsin native Stevens point guy, Shout out. I was at, he, he was at a Spash football game. That's why I got to interview him. He was Excellent. visiting. And then he just signed his giant $96 million contract. Love it. And even here they list that they were surprised that he was number 10 after he was number eight last year. And they said the voters didn't knock him, his performance. They just went for elite talents and emergencies of guys like Wurfs and Beckton occupied two spots that moved him down. This is the quote that I think describes him perfectly. Never makes the same mistake twice. A guy might get him on a move, but Ramchick will make the adjustment and will never get beat after that. Just a really good player who makes the necessary adjustments. It's not always pretty, but he gets the job done and is incredibly dependable.
1: Love that. Love that. That's I mean, he It's now that we finally round up the top ten, looking at that Worfs and Becton are above him, and obviously I knew that going in here, but like that's just that's bullshit. Like I can't, there's no other way to describe that. Like, how are you gonna put two rookies up above a guy? Uh, like Ryan ramcheck and maybe I'm biased, but he's been so damn good. He was at number eight last year. Like you mentioned, how does he drop and get leapfrogged by two rookies that have only played one season? It doesn't make sense. Um, again, maybe I'm biased. Shout out, uh, splash Panther, former UWSP pointer and uh badger Ryan ramcheck But I, uh, it's a little, little, little head scratcher again, but that is what the six through 10 has been for us throughout many of these rankings.
2: For sure, and yeah, I think Ramchek's the best right tackle in football. And I don't think it's particularly yeah,
1: close.
0: I agree. I put him in
2: the top. I think he should be in the top five. I really do. Fair. Like you could, you could have put he. You could put him above guys like Armstead. Even like he is. I think he's more important to that team than Armstead, with how he, how with how he protected Breeze on that right side.
1: Yeah, totally agree. I I would. I, I could see him in the top five easily. I would not be upset about this, especially if he was eight last year. Like how does, I I don't understand how he falls back and right. yeah. probably he's the best right to tackle. seven Yeah. he still definitely. young. Right. So if we're going with the youth thing that we're saying and like the projections, like you would, you would think that would help his cause, but what do I know?
2: then just a quick rundown of the honorable mentions. Deion Dawkins came in next from Buffalo. Again, underrated player. He's been pretty good for them. I and mean, he's been, he was a huge part of Josh Allen's emergence Mm -hmm. Lane Johnson at number 12. Just again, injuries. Jack Conklin at 13. Mm -hmm. Another, a great right tackle. Garrett Bowles at number 14 for the Broncos and struggled. Really. His first few years were terrible, but he had a great year last year. Mm -hmm. Dwayne Brown, a veteran guy is he's 36. He's next for Seattle. I forgot. I didn't think he was that old. Or then Orlando Brown, Jr. For the now in Kansas city, a former Raven. Okay. And then Taylor, uh, and then honorable mentions were Taylor Moton for strength and physicality in Carolina. Cam Robinson for the Jaguars. Shout out Jacksonville for getting something on here. Brayton Smith, a right tackle for Indy. And then Taylor Decker rounds it out, out of Detroit. So Not there bad. are your offensive tackles.
1: Not bad. Not a big fan of Garrett Bowles. I don't feel like he's very, uh, very likable uh, by the majority of people. Um, Lane Johnson, really big fan. Like you said, injuries. Orlando Brown didn't realize he went to Kansas City. That's I I remember him going there. Just months have passed since he he signed, but that's an incredible grab for them. But I mean, it's it's crazy how many great offensive tackles. In I use great kind of loosely. I don't like to throw that word around too much, but there are some really great names on this list. Um, even guys that are in the honorable mention list. They just have battled offensive, you know, battled injuries at that offensive line position. That's that's what that position is. You're running into dudes all the time and pushing them over. You're you're going to be banged up.
2: For sure. So let's move inside. We'll go to the interior offensive line. So we know guards and centers are interchangeable, apparently, to scouts, so we'll yep. just go through it. Mm-hmm. And there will be a Packer on the top ten, which we'll get to when we get to him. Everyone knows which player we're going to be talking about. Quentin Nelson for the Colts, though, comes in at number one. He was number one last year. He was either ranked number one or number two by every single person who voted. And he had the highest number percentage of first-place votes that any player not named Aaron Donald. Nelson's been great, and he's only 25. He
1: is the gold standard at guard. Yeah, this is a slam dunk. I have no qualms with this, and the <laughs> he's made that offense better. He's made that team different, and there's really some other guys that we'll get to later um, that it just they benefit from Quentin Nelson, and he's he's a stud. Slam dunk at the number one spot.
2: Well, absolutely he had a he had a 79% run block win rate that led all interior linemen. He was 95.5% pass block winning, which was third among guards. That is just absurd. And, he, and he, yes. then he's got that mean streak.
3: Mm-hmm. He,
2: mm-hmm. He's a guy you build around. Another guy you build around is Zach Martin, who came in at number two from Dallas. And he went between one and number four. He was ranked. He's he's 30. But he has been, much like Nelson, another Notre Dame guy, he has been elite from the first time he put on pads in the NFL.
1: Yeah. And we talked about Tyron Smith earlier. He's been a part of that 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 line of offensive linemen for the last you know four or five years plus he's been super solid. um kind of surprised to see him at number two. I just feel like you know getting up there in age, like you mentioned he's thirty, there's some other guys, but overall i'm not i'm not too I'm not too upset with it. I think he deserves it
2: yeah, for sure. four all pros in seven years, and he's he's been the anchor of that of that Dallas line. Mm-hmm. Number three was kind of surprising for me, but I do a guy who I think's been underrated for a long time, yeah. and now he's playing on the franchise tag yet again because Washington does not pay people. Mm-mm. That's Brandon Scherf.
1: It's super underrated. Like people, I, I'm sure people are listening to this that don't even know him because you know, you know Morgan. Or excuse, yeah, you know Mor- Morgan Moses. You you know you remember Trent Williams. They've had a couple of really, really gritty offensive linemen besides it. But Scherfs is kind of just a super slept on dude. And to see him at number three is kind of shocking. Um, but, you know, number five pick in the 2015 draft. He's been solid from day one for, out of Iowa. And um, it, it's great that he's actually getting some recognition because these guys in the trenches don't normally get that.
2: And yet again, Iowa, not, maybe not O-line you. That belongs to a team in the state we're residing in. Mm-hmm. But they got to be up there.
1: Oh, yeah. They compete. They, they crank smoke.
2: Number four, and who is our top center, and that's Frank Ragnow from Detroit. I was surprised that he was rated the highest center in the NFL.
1: Who do you think would have been higher? Do you have any? I don't want to put you on the spot, but do like, do you have any other guys you think would have been should have been higher? There's a certain former Packer who is currently playing yeah, out west. but he's getting a little older. Like that's the thing I'm looking. Like I, there's a lot of centers like that are extremely old. Um, Ragnow's not like young by any means, but I just feel like. These centers are, yeah, like the, these centers are getting older and older. And I don't know, it is shocking that he'd be number one, but I think it just like, like I said, it just shows like all these, like you got the Rodney Hudsons of the world, the Jason Kelsey's, the Travis Frederick, who I kind of loosely mentioned earlier, the Pouncy. like there's guys that are just old that have been in the league that are solid, but they're just not to the same youthfulness and aggressiveness as Ragnow and Ragnow's really, really solid.
2: For sure, it's also just also interesting weird that the best player in a certain position is also a Detroit Lion, which hasn't happened since Megatron, probably. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, fair. Maybe Nadama and Sue, possibly. I don't Maybe. know if that 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 might be a stretch there, but yeah, good uh, good for right now. Number
2: five, we go right back to guard, and that's Joel Batonio in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Another guy stepped in right away his rookie year. He's just been consistent. He was the best pass-blocking guard last year, 97% pass-block win rate. Cleveland's got an offensive
1: line going, and Betonio is one of the key parts of that. Yeah, and our, and before we started recording, like I just said, like the Browns and the Colts just have such good offensive linemen. And they have guys that have been sprinkled out to these top 10 lists with honorable mentions, too. And he's Betonio's... Like you mentioned, day one has just been an absolute anchor for them in the inside. And uh, again, this top five is great. I, I like the top five. Maybe a little shuffling here and there. Maybe Zach Martin should have been lower. But I, really, really good list. And I, it's it's awesome.
2: Now, number six, we're going to Kansas City via the way of New England. And that's Joe Thune. Again, another guy we forgot that the Chiefs completely revamped their offensive line this offseason. Thuney got $80 million from Kansas City, where I'm still trying to figure out where they have the money. But he goes to number five to number six. But another guy who's really developed in the New England system, Thuney, has really gotten great. And Kansas City, where Orlando Brown may not be the best fit for them, but Thuney, I think, is going to fit in well.
1: Yeah, Thuney's going to be very, very solid for them. They've struggled with interior offensive line for a number of years, um, just what I've seen. They're not going to have an issue with Thune. Hasn't missed a game in five years. Very, very solid. And one of those names where you're like, wait, who's that? Kind of like the Brandon Sherf So, like, you're like, oh, yeah, I know about him. But, like, it's just like, like a name that's just kind of thrown out there. But, um, yeah, like you said, revamped offensive line for the Chiefs. Uh, could be dangerous for the rest of the AFC and the entire NFL. But it'll be interesting to see how they get those pieces to fit. But I, I think Thune's properly ranked at six.
2: And so let's get to the Packer. Number seven, Elton Jenkins. Love this, that he's getting the recognition he deserves. He was an honorable mention last year. He was ranked as high as number two by a voter this year, and as low as number 13. I want to punch that person. <laughs> and the quote for Elton Jenkins is, he is considered a rising star and will anchor the interior line after Corey Lindsley's departure. Just a, a two-word quote from a High ranking NFL official, he's outstanding. An AFC defensive coach, really good feet and anchor with ideal size. He pass protects better than most interior players. And then from the writer, more than a few voters noticed that Jenkins verbally sparred with Aaron Donald between plays of the Packers-Rams playoff game, so Jenkins isn't afraid of the biggest and baddest. Jenkins also can play all five spots on the line, which teams covet. He's, he has played pass-block snaps to guard center and tackle in 2020. Elton is a rising star.
3: I hope Jenkins is he,
2: awesome. He, like, I'm yeah. not looking forward to paying him in a few no. years, and he's going to get a lot of money, and he's going to deserve every bit of it. But whether it's at guard or center, most likely guard. Now that they have Josh Myers, he is the next great Packers guard.
1: It took a while for this new regime um, to hit on a guy with this versatility, and they've always trying to grab guys with a lot of offensive line versatility. And this is the first guy where they've absolutely nailed it. And I, don't, I think it's exceeded expectations. Like, it's it's unreal. I think paying him might work out okay, depending on how Bakhtiari's career transitions. And they really don't have any other offensive linemen there they're going to have to pay unless some of these young guys emerge that they've invested you know, draft equity in. But Elton Jenkins is an absolute maniac like he's so damn good and when they drafted him i was like what the hell is this pick second round like that's you don't want this kid and yeah he's a freaking stud and if i would have known this coming out that he could play all five positions i would have definitely not um had that such a jerk reaction but he's he's incredible number seven i mean he's a he's a smash to be top five next year if not higher so i'm i'm shout out elton jenkins and um love that he's in in the green and gold because he's starting to actually get that respect around the league which he's much deserved
2: for sure, and of course, Mister Jenkins. If you ever want to come on the Pack-A-Day podcast, let us know. Yeah, definitely. but I, I, remember, I remember when he got drafted. I think I was on the Packaday live stream that we were doing on draft day because I was there for that one and the Jay Sternberger pick. Mm-hmm. And everybody was talking, oh, maybe they'll take DK Metcalf, maybe they'll take this guy, this guy. And, and even two years later, it's like, why do not they take Metcalf? Because they took Jenkins, who's the better player. Right. He yeah. he has he's an elite guard already, two years in. Hundred percent. Number eight, Roger Saffold in Tennessee, 33 years old. Again, went from L, from St. Louis slash L. A. slash wherever the Rams are at this point to Tennessee, and that Titans offensive line really stepping up. And Saffold, the veteran of that group.
1: This is the third name we've already mentioned for offensive line for them. Like it's crazy. Maybe there's even a fourth that I missed. But Saff, I, I I'm surprised he's at number eight. Um. I, there's a couple guys later on this list I think could get there, but especially since he's a little bit older. But Saffold's been solid forever. Um, he was on some really, 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 really bad Rams teams and has been able to break out of that. And they he was part of that kind of that transition period where they were able to make a Super Bowl run. But all in all, Roger Saffold he's a little bit old, so I'm surprised he's there. But um, been very, very consistent for over a decade.
2: And talking about a little bit older, Ronnie Hudson at number nine. Now in Arizona at age 32 wow. and for, forgetting some of these linemen are moving around and mm-hmm. spending a long time in Kansas city. And then in Oakland slash Vegas slash mm-hmm. Jerry or, or L Davis world. Yeah. And this, this is a, one of my favorite quotes of all of these lists. And as an AFC defensive coach added, when I found out Las Vegas was trading guys like that, I was like, why did we get him? He still has something
1: left at least two to three really good years. Right. Yeah. I <sighs> He's solid as hell. But again, I just, this is only the, what the, the second uh, center on the list. Um, Deservably. So, and we've mentioned some of these centers are getting a little bit older and retiring or just not to the caliber they once were Hudson's one of those guys kind of on that, you know, 32, like you mentioned, but um, really, really good solid dude. He's played with different teams. Like you mentioned, and he's, he's always going to hold it down in the middle for you. He's always going to add kind of just, he's got some intangibles for, for him down at the center position.
2: For sure. And number 10 is another center, a guy who's going to be compared with Elton Jenkins for a long time because they were drafted around the same spot. Mm-hmm. That's Eric McCoy in New Orleans, who is only 25. Guy as high as number three as far as someone voted him number three. He was honorable mention last year at 6'4", 3'15". He's a big center. And New Orleans seems to have found a good one there, along go along with Ramchak and Armstead.
1: That's a guy, again, Eric, I'm like, Eric McCoy, who the hell is this guy? Like, I just kind of, you kind of forget about, I mean, he's young as hell. He's 23. Um, drafted in the same draft with Elton Jenkins, and yeah, it's. I to be honest, I never was like, oh yeah, we can. We're going to compare these guys because they came out of the same draft right around the same time. But Eric McCoy's again, maybe just because I sleep on the centers, but one of these younger names is probably a little bit higher because we have a, a transition period right now with the centers in the entire league. But super solid. This is the uh, what is this the third? Saints offensive lineman we've talked about, so they're neck and neck right now with the uh, with the Titans. I'm sure there's another team I'm missing, but um, Indy. Indy, thank you. Very, very solid, and um, yeah, just a guy I kind of slept on, which is not surprising.
2: For sure, and so the, honor, the honorable mentions, all the guys receiving votes, Ryan Kelly from Indy, their center, very nasty player. Ellie Marpet, who another guy where is going to get in your face and make you pay for it. And the the quote, I'm not even going to get to because it it's really annoying because it's not true at all that he's not all that gifted. He's a great athlete at guard for Tampa. Wyatt Teller in Cleveland comes in on the honorable mentions list. Corey Lindsley comes in at number 14 for the Chargers. He's, and they said he's going to be great for Justin Herbert as they turn into Green Bay Offensive Line West with Brian Blogg out there as well. Mm-hmm. Brandon Brooks comes in Philly at 15. Ryan Jensen for Tampa Bay comes in next to center there. Brandon Linder, the center for the Jaguars. And then Jason Kelsey wraps up the honorable mentions for the interior offensive line. So a lot of centers are honorable mentions.
1: Seven out of 10, uh, the, the bottom 10 guys, including the honorable mentions, seven out of 10 are centers. Like just no respect for the centers. But like I said, they're all retiring. They're all getting older. Like all these guys on these lists are older dudes besides McCoy and Ragnow. Um, and they're probably ranked appropriately based off that, but uh, Brandon Brooks to me, like missed an entire year last year. I want to say his outlook on like, there's been questions if he's going to retire and et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I'm surprised he's in the top 10. He's had a ton of injuries. That's a guy to me, like when, when, when healthy, really, really damn good. But he just, I I don't know if he's going to be able to stay consistently as he gets older and, you know. Older on to his 30s, and I'm on his Wikipedia. He's from Milwaukee. I didn't even know that. I didn't even know he went to Riverside. Like, that's 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 wild to me. But other than that, I think it's a pretty solid list. Um, The guys in the trenches never get enough clout, so I'm glad we're giving them their, uh, their shout-outs. For sure.
2: So now let's move on to the guys who play right next to the offensive line, that's the tight ends. Let's, let's go right in there. And mm-hmm. number one, no surprise, is pro wrestling's favorite, George Kittle. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's- he's... I think he's clear. He's the best tight end in football.
1: Yeah, his intangibles are great. His blocking is exceptional. Um, I, in my opinion, he's number one. And honestly, these top three guys are very easy, uh, for us to rank. Yeah,
2: number two. I know. I don't know if there was a joke or a sarcasm that they his name was pronounced differently after all these years. I'm just gonna go Travis Kelsey. So I'm gonna still call him Kelsey.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, it, it's so like, why does this happen? Like, how can the name change just like it? Why don't you nip that in the butt like the day you're getting drafted? Like, I, I don't understand why we have to get thrown in these these wrinkles here. But Travis Kelsey, super solid number two. I, I I absolutely agree with that.
2: But again, another tight end, a little bit older, thirty one. But tight ends age do age pretty well. Just mm-hmm. Kittle's younger and got a little bit more on the blocking side. I agree. Darren Waller at number three really broke out last couple of years and. Oh yeah
1: Yeah, Waller's. I mean, what a great story to just battle addiction and battle tough, tough stuff he's had to deal with from going to the Ravens and that weird situation he was in over there to come into the, the the Raiders and just emerge. And if you, you know, I don't see a ton of Raiders games, um, but there was a couple games I remember seeing last year where they were just just feeding him consistently and yards after the catch. He he's an absolute monster um unfortunately he's got two hall of famers right in front of him uh, with Kittle and Kelsey on this list so but he's he's going to be solid for a long time for the Raiders whoever's going to be a quarterback in in coaching that team
2: for sure and even number four I can't have any debate with and that's Mark Andrews in Baltimore as steady as it gets does all the little things he is he is that like that old school in between the 20s right up the seam that's the tight end that you're gonna just find on third downs and like he's he's his game, the the way he receives the ball is almost a throwback style. He is that that tight end you see in Madden games.
1: Yeah, he is he is kind of an older, you know, old old head uh, tight end. He's not super athletic. He's just very tall. He's going to catch the ball at the high point. Um, I I always wonder if Mark Andrews like on a different team would be used differently because the, the Ravens consistently have a ton of, ton of tight ends and kind of interchange them. And they've had less of them. Now they had a, well, a stable of them a few years ago, but I think Mark Andrews is solid. Um, there's some other guys on this list that I think are a little bit more athletically gifted in them, but he's just in a really damn good situation with the Ravens
2: for sure. Number five, TJ Hawkinson in Detroit. That's I should, I should rephrase pro bowl tight end TJ Hawkinson in Detroit. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm which as a top 10 pick, you better be a pro bowler. Yeah,
1: absolutely. He, Hawkinson, to me, if you want to equate this to fantasy football, I think he's going to have an absolute enormous year. Um, Hawkinson's very, very solid. He's going to be their number one target, I think, throughout this entire season. I, I just don't think he he's going to get 100-plus targets. It'll be way more than that, too. Like He's, he's very, very, very good, um, and I could see him climbing up this top five list as years progress, too.
2: And then again, once we get to number six through ten is where the fun begins. Dallas Goddard comes in at number six. He's only twenty-six. And their the first line, Goddard's game is similar to Hawkinson's, multifaceted and effective.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He's taken over for Zach Ertz. And Goddard is is another solid Eagles tight end who they've they've always had at least one good tight end going back to it seems Gosh. like nineteen ninety seven
1: you can go back a long ways because they always have at least like a veteran dude they'll br- bring in. They'll have either you know a young guy that they're kind of mentoring, which they've done with him. Um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure how I feel about Dallas Goddard yet. I know he's been pretty damn good for the first few years of his career, but I'm just not, I'm not super sold on him yet. Um, we'll see what happens now that Ertz might not be his, his shadow over them. I'm still confident Zach's going to be able to produce a little bit, but I'm not so sure if I think he's the number six tight end in the league, but if we're going based off of youth, um, what is he, only 26 years old, like you mentioned, it, I could see him being number six, but I think there's, again, one of these trans- transitional positions where it's stacked very, very heavy, and then at the bottom, we kind of have some guys that have bounced around places, a little bit injured, so maybe he slips around at the six spot.
2: And then number seven, Hunter Henry for the Patriots. When healthy, he's a very good tight end, very solid tight end, great on third downs. And again, another guy who jumped teams in the offseason. New England New England's tight end room is restocked. Before it was Rob Gronkowski and a name who will not be mentioned on this mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. Now they got Hunter Henry and another guy who we'll talk to we'll talk about in just a couple of minutes. Henry's just solid. He is he's not gonna wow you with everything, but he is not going to hurt you in any way.
1: No, not gonna hurt at all. Um, he's for me, he's underperformed throughout his career. Maybe he'll have a resurgence with um somewhat of a tight end guru with Bill Belichick the way he runs it with the two tight end sets and has done it forever. Um we'll see what a new new environment does for him, but unfortunately Hunter Henry's, in my opinion, is underperformed and that'll lead us into another guy that's underperformed at the uh number eight spot.
2: Yeah, number eight's uh a guy who I don't think should be top ten at all, and that's Pro Bowler. And noted for his spectacular hands, Evan Ingram, Mm -hmm. which I I say very sarcastically.
1: Right. Uh, He's got the case for the drops. Super athletic. Great guy to have on a Madden team. Just unfortunately, that doesn't equate to the real football. Um, Evan Evan Ingram, super quick. More like him and like Jordan are kind of comparable to me. But Evan Ingram just has not performed to his – to what the standard has been. And it's – it's kind of unfortunate because they've had some opportunities for him to take over, and he just really hasn't done that.
2: Absolutely. So number nine, we're going right back to New England. Another guy they brought in this offseason, that's Janu Smith, who I, th- who I think is one of the most underrated players in the game. I said this last year. Yeah. He he came into the draft, and a lot of people know him for some of the stuff that happened to him in college that wasn't his fault. But in the NFL, he's been a good thing. He succeeded Delaney Walker in Tennessee and didn't miss a beat. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to New England, and I don't think he's going to miss a beat there either. He is, an a, a just a great weapon to have in for New England, and that's going to help out whether it's Cam Newton or Mac Jones yeah. Yeah. or who who or Stidham or Bill Belichick <laughs> if he even suits up at quarterback. Who knows? He Johnny Lewis- Smith's going to be a weapon.
1: Yeah, I uh, I feel I feel good for Johnny Lewis- Smith, honestly, like. Having played for the Titans, he, he did pretty damn well. He was overshadowed by Delaney a little bit, but now going to a, a brand new team, um, I think he's going to be used in a different capacity. And he really wasn't going to get he wasn't going to get fed like he would um, being on the Titans with all the receivers and the the offensive um, touches that have to get spread around. Now he's going to go to a Patriots team who's we have no idea who's going to number one weapon. Really, really, really safe bet to think that John would get at least up there in the probably top two for targets. Um, on that offense and yeah I think he's gonna hit between him and Hunter Henry that's gonna be a great great thing to watch this year to see how um, Belichick does it because he obviously went and hand picked those guys and it'll be great to see and like you said definitely underrated I do not disagree with that
2: and number 10 who at this point he might be a little overrated because he just everything is kind of falling apart his body's kind of falling down and that's yeah. Zach Ertz and I thought I thought Ertz was going to be the next to that upper echelon of tight ends. He's going to be in the Kelsey group. Mm-hmm. He was going to be one of those guys because he had all those tools as a receiver. But then just it started to break down. And who knows where he's going to be playing this year because it's report that he's going to be looking for a new team, get a fresh start, and just get out of Philly. But he's also got a big contract. He's got an $8.25 million salary this year. But he but he is one guy where injuries have really taken their
1: toll. He is not the same player we saw two years ago. No, no, unfortunately he's he's battled through some injuries in the last few years. Um I mean, coming off the twenty eighteen campaign, one hundred and sixteen receptions, eleven hundred plus yards, eight touchdowns. Yeah, it seems like yeah, I mean, he was in that upper echelon of guys with the Kittles and the Kelseys and now the Waller. But unfortunately, I'm surprised he's still actually on the team. Um, it seemed like after their uh, their last game this last year, there was those clips of him on the sidelines just kind of like soaking it all in last time in the Philly uniform, possibly. And with Goddard emerging, it seems like there's not really a place for him as much. And they're probably trying to get a little bit cheaper um, at that position and across that team because they're going through a huge rebuild. But yeah, I, I don't think he's a top 10 guy. Um, if you'd asked me a few years ago, obviously he's a top five guy, if not a top three. But at this point, if he can bounce back from injury, sure, he's a smash at top ten. But I, I don't see that at this point. And I am a Zack Ertz fan. Um Gage, who should be recording with us, big, big, big Zach Ertz hater, which was unfortunate to find out during this week. But yeah, I don't think he's a top ten guy, and I have to agree with Gage on that. But I think I still think he's really damn good.
2: For sure. So then moving to the honor, five honorable mentions were named. Starting with Gronk, he came in at number eleven. Quote, he can still play at a high level, but we're not sure how much he has left. At this stage, they would go younger. This is from an AFC executive. Noah Fant came in next from Denver. Again, kind of the Evan Ingram syndrome. Hopefully he can shed that. He's gotten better than Ingram was his second year. Mm-hmm. We'll see if Fant continues to grow in Denver. Mike Kosicki, another kind of underrated tight end in Miami. Really kind of broke out last year. Another huge target with his size, and he's he was really good at contested catches.
1: It was incredible last year.
2: Austin Hooper, the big tight end, uh, free agent prize last year at the tight end group in Cleveland. Again, very dependable. Does nothing spectacularly, but he does everything pretty solidly. Mm-hmm. And then last, this was the one you put on Twitter earlier this week because yeah, we I talked about to- it. The largest of Roberts, Big Bob Tunyon, came in at number 15 as an honorable mention. This is the quote from the from the article. He can win as a route runner, but, it, but he's a capable blocker too. He's coming up. That's from a veteran offensive player. They've said that about Tunyon. Tunyon, maybe he doesn't climb to the top ten this. He may not have made it this year, but I think if he has another year like this, he might be on this list next year.
1: Yeah, it's tough. Like you try to put your your Packers bias aside. Um, you know, y- you got to do it a couple more years, dude. I mean, because before the 2020 campaign, he had 14 catches throughout two years. Didn't even break 200 yards. Only had two touchdowns. Like, okay, well, let's see what you can do in year three, and he blew up. 11 touchdowns now. You take those touchdowns numbers away, which are pro- he's not going to be able to replicate that, I don't think, this year. There's just no way. Um, he's an average tight end. Uh, but if he does it in year two and maybe improves the yardage, improves the receptions, which I think will be tough to do, um, he could be a top 10 guy. Um, the other issues I have with this list are Austin Hooper. I don't see how he's that – I just don't see that he's that great of a tight end. Uh, I've never been a big Austin Hooper fan. Um, Granted, he's been on two offenses that have had really, really good receiving cores there, so it's tough to get him the ball. Um, other than that, I think Gronk shouldn't have been a top 10. I like him at the the uh, honorable mention. Fans probably properly rated, waiting for him to emerge. Kosicki had a great year last year, but let's see if he can do it uh, in consecutive years. But pretty solid top 10 list for an honorable mention for the tight ends. I, I agree with most of it.
2: For sure. And when with Tunyon, well, well, it's been interesting to see because he was open a lot last year and some throws weren't accurate to him. So if yeah. he if Matt LaFleur can keep getting him open, we'll see if he can continue this trend. I think he can keep up with the catches and yards. Touchdowns, yeah, likely not going to be the same, but we'll see what happens after this. No doubt. So let's go further outside. Let's jump into the wide receivers. hmm And again, top five we pretty much agree with, and then the bottom five we'll get into. But number one,
1: Devontae Adams. It's awesome. It's glad to get his respect. I think he's one of those guys where If he's not one, he's two. And anything outside of that, you're an absolute idiot. And I think just what he can do with the route tree, his break off the line, is. there's only a couple guys on this list that can do what he can do getting off the line. Um, Love to see the respect for Devontae Adams. And um, unfortunately, the contract that he's going to get at some point is going to be stupid. uh, But it sounds like he wants to stay in Green Bay, um, contrary to popular belief out west. But uh, love seeing Devontae at number one. It's awesome.
2: And we say stupid in the best possible way. Yes, yes, As in yes. He's going to get a lot of money, tons of it, with a lot of commas. Mm-hmm. And th- my favorite thing is the is when you read the the write up on Adams. He was he he was he had first place spot on more than half the ballot, so it was a runaway that he was ranked number one. That's awesome. He was number seven last year, and they said that despite his his greatness at the line, he some voters didn't consider him dominant, which he changed that. And he won over the nitpicky scouts and coaches who were sticklers for technical aspects of receiver play. From an AFC offensive coach, he made a ton of plays. Release game was on point. Constantly gets open. Went from five to eighteen touchdowns. Large catch radius. Goes. He gets yards after the catch. There's nothing he's not doing right now. 92.2 PFF rating. 589 yards after the catch led all wide receivers. Aaron Rodgers had a 136 passer rating targeting Adams, and that's what the defense is knowing what's coming as 34% of his routes attempted resulted in a target. <laughs> That's, That's crazy. Those numbers are absurd. They are. Almost they're, 600 yards after the catch.
1: They're unbelievable. Um, I, Devontae's just so damn good, dude. And, like, I've never been more wrong on a player. Like, I was in the camp of, like... Uh, I think it was was his rookie year, second year, in that Arizona game where he kept dropping the damn ball. I was like, get the hell out of here. Like, get rid of him. And I, I've never been more wrong on a Packer, and I've been out, outspoken about how wrong I was about that. And now he's the number one receiver in the league, and I think that's – I don't I really don't think there's much of a debate at this point.
2: No, and that's one where I can, I can probably say that I was never in that camp. I was always a Devontae Adams guy because I remember that his rookie year when he had that crazy – game against Dallas where he shook that's yep. uh, I think safety out of his out of his jockstrap mm-hmm. and I realized yeah next year he definitely had the drops and I was never among the Janice should be over Adams guys I always when I'll let him I was wrong like I thought Dayton Jones was gonna be great I, I was a fan of the Brian Brom pick but I was always a Devonte Adams guy and I will I will take that one with me forever that I, that I that I stayed with with number 17 shut up. number two receiver DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona Thank you, Bill O'Brien. Of course, the hail mary play—he was number three last year. But I mean, the top two are pretty locked in. It's it's got to be either Adams or Hopkins at one. There was
1: no debate between any of the anyone else besides those two. Unfortunately, this being a podcast and no video format, you can't see my smile when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is my favorite non-Packer in the league, and it's not even freaking close. I've loved Nuke forever because he's been on absolutely. Horrible offenses pre Cardinals, and did so much with so little at the quarterback position. I'm a huge fan of DeAndre Hopkins. I have been forever, and I look. I, I'm so happy that he's in a great offense that hopefully he's going to utilize him the best with Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, et cetera, et cetera. But Hopkins at number two is is justified. I think there's a case that could be made with a couple of receivers later down that could have been the t- number two spot. We'll get into, but big fan of Nuke and love to see him at that two spot behind uh, the Packers number one.
2: And then then number three, I'm glad he's here, number three, and also that he's no longer in Minnesota, Yeah. and that is Stephon Diggs. And this is another one where I'm very proud of my my prognostication skills, where I was in college when he was drafted, and I was doing a podcast with my friends who I broadcasted games with down in college, and Mm -hmm. we were talking about who do you think is going to be a big steal on day three, and I said Stephon Diggs. Good job. He was banged up in Maryland, had some injuries, kind of underachieved. He goes to Minnesota, and he – immediately becomes a top-tier receiver. He goes to Buffalo, and that game steps up even more. He, he is a big reason why Josh Allen got number two in MVP voting.
1: Oh, like he I mean, Stephon Diggs was stupid last year. He let, what did he, leave the league in um, yards and catches, I believe? Something like that? Like, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, now, similar to a couple guys we've already mentioned um, at the tight end position, let's see if you can do it two years in a row. I mean, he's, he's very, very good. I think he's a really, really great receiver. They obviously have utilized him except way better than I thought they would um, with a second year quarterback and an offense that had predominantly has never been that dynamic being the bills. But if he can produce like he did this last year, I mean, he's going to solidify him spot in that top five for, for years to come. I think there is some regression there. However, they're, they lost weapons. Uh, I believe, Cole, is Cole Beasley still there? Uh, John Brown is not. So he's going to have an opportunity to take over. Um, but he, he really blew the doors off all of his stats previously. So we'll see if he can do that in, in his second year with uh, Josh Allen.
2: For sure. And the one thing that I think will help him is that his kids, from a bunch of quotes, is that his competitive demeanor and mm-hmm. the ability that he has to to – up his level of play in big games. And he practices, and another from an AFC coordinator, he practices like every day is game day, and he's known for that and has a knack for getting open. Love it. Uh, num- number four, Tyreek Hill. He was number five last year over in Kansas City. Hill embodies where the NFL is going a motion and movement player with elite lateral change of direction and sneaky physicality. Yeah, he's the fastest player. He's a fast receiver in football. He's small, but he just gets open. And say what you want about all the other aspects that don't involve football with Tyreek Hill
1: on the field. He is a great receiver right now. Yeah, he's exceptional. Unfortunately, he's so damn fast. That's all people ever think about him. They don't give him the respect that he's a super physical guy can go up and catch the ball, even though he's super, super short. Um, And this is the dude I was mentioning. Like, I feel like Tyreek Hill could be slotted anywhere in the top five. Really? Like he, you could, you could put him over Adams. I think, what Adams can do with everything at the receiver position makes him that much better, but I could easily see him being at number two spot. Um, But he has benefited from an incredible, credible uh, quarterback position. But Tyreek Hill, I think if he wasn't so damn fast, people wouldn't think, ah, it's just a burner because he's not, he does so much with the football and he's, it's wild to watch defenses try to tackle that guy because at one moment, you think you have him and then he's 60 yards the other way for a touchdown. So um Tyreek Hill is a game changer, and, yeah, it will be interesting to see how teams continue to evolve their offenses around guys similar to his skill set.
2: And number five is the veteran of the group, Julio Jones, age 32, which is amazing. He was number one last year, and he, well, he dropped four spots. Teams say, turn on the tape, you'll still see a unicorn, and this is an AFC exec. This is not an A.J. Green situation where the play clearly declined. He is still that dude. Yes, he is, and now he's on what is now a loaded offense in Tennessee.
1: Incredible offense. Um, number five seems tough for me. Uh, I, I just maybe I have some, you know, recency bias with the two years that he's had, where it's just kind of a little bit lower. They had that, that that year where he had a lot of yards, and I think he didn't get in the end zone much. And he's just, I like Julio. I think he's a damn good player. Top five, he probably still deserves that because there's other guys on this list that haven't been consistent. I could see the number six guy actually leapfrogging him a little bit. Because um, I think he's super underrated, but Julio is still a physical specimen. Um, that comparison to AJ Green's fine, but like he's way more physically gifted than AJ Green. And AJ Green's a good football player, but Julio is just an absolute freak of nature, similar to what we saw in Calvin Johnson many, many years ago.
2: And speaking of that number six guy who may jump soon, that's Keenan Allen. Keenan at twenty nine was number eight last year. He was rated as number two by people this year. Had another big contract that he just signed, and again, a guy who does a little bit of everything we will. Great route runner, big target, not the fastest, but again, Justin Herbert's best friend.
1: Yeah, they're they're going to be good buds for years to come. Keenan Allen, dude, like, <clears throat> the fact that Stefan Diggs is over him is kind of crazy when you think of what Keenan Allen's done and consistently throughout his his nine-year career. Like, he's... He's so unbelievable, and I think he's just super underrated because he's not super fast. He is like Devontae Adams off the line. Um, he gets an immense amount of targets in that offense and has through transitions from different quarterbacks, different offensive uh, coordinators, and different coaches. But Keenan Allen, to me, is is a top five hands-down receiver. Unfortunately, he's not getting that love here, but I think it's just because he is super slept on and not super fast, and he does all the little things right but nothing that really gets um, social media popping.
2: For sure. And number seven is one of my favorite couple quotes that I can't. I want to read you guys, and that's Mike Evans in Tampa Bay. He's number seven. Mm-hmm. There's three really funny quotes. One, he was DK Metcalf before DK Metcalf from an AFC <laughs> coordinator. From an AFC scout, I thought he declined to 19, but maybe wasn't playing as hard as he used to. He looked better this year. You don't realize how good he is until you really watch him and how consistent he's been. He's a constant number seven or number eight on this list. Not a top five guy, but definitely a top ten. Doesn't do it for everybody, but he's the size of a tight end that can run, and that's rare. Then another, the coordinator also says he reminds him of a bigger Steve Smith, because when you watch the tape and you play him, he will downright want to fight you. Mm-hmm. He will get nasty with you. Don't get him angry. I love that.
1: Yeah, Mike Evans, he's he's fun. It, the, the best part was when he was with Jameis, because – for two reasons. One, James is super inaccurate and was just willing to sling the rock. But Mike Evans' catch radius is just incredible. So, like, you were just seeing all these amazing catches because he's like, ah, screw it. I'm going to throw up to up Mike. He's going to go eat. And Mike Evans is a beast. He's he's an incredible specimen and has been consistent for many, many years. And I love I love something to always look back on. Like, back when him and Johnny Manziel were at Texas A&M, like, how much did he elevate the game of Johnny? To get that Heisman Trophy run, um, I think it's kind of something that sh- people should look at a little bit more because Mike Evans was a freak of nature and he had the same opportunity that Jameis did, that Johnny did. Just throw the damn ball up to Mike because he's going to come down and catch it like an absolute center or power forward.
2: Sure, I think he's had a thousand yards every year he's played, which is just that's absurd. wild. That's wild. That's wild. Number number eight was a guy who was number two last year and he really had a letdown year. And I I'm torn on this guy and that's Michael Thomas in, the, in New Orleans. How much of him was Drew Brees? Yeah. And is can he be a number one with whoever is starting for
1: the Saints this year? You know, the Michael Thomas hate, I think, started last year. And then it trends in the, like last offseason because there was these top ten lists. And then it, it definitely ramped up um, in the middle of the year because he was dealing with that hamstring injury. He had some stuff going on with the team. We really don't know whatever came about that. Um, Was he pissed off? Because I I don't know what the problem was. But he's a guy that year to year you could rank him number one receiver potentially. And he has been. You could rank him. Now outside the top 10 with some of these guys that are coming back, but I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder this year um, because he's going to be one of those. He's going to have to be a consistent piece, just like Alvin Kamara is in that offense line that we've already discussed Um, with Drew Brees no longer there. We have no idea who's going to be the quarterback. Maybe it is the pre-mentioned Jameis Winston. Maybe it is the the Swiss Army knife um, of Taysom Hill, but I think Mike Thomas has benefited a ton. From that offense, very short yards, uh, catches within within 10 yards and didn't have to do a hell of a lot and had one of the most accurate quarterbacks of all time throwing him the damn ball. Uh, but we'll see what we'll see where he goes. I think he, he's rated properly this year, but he could definitely jump in the top five easily with another incredible year of setting some records.
2: For sure. And just keep C.J. Gerner Johnson away from him during
1: practice. Yeah, that's yeah. N- none of that. I like C.J. I think I'm a big fan of him. I think he's a I think I, I was hoping the Packers would have got him that year. I believe they. It was the same year Darnell Savage came out and the the safety class was really, really dynamic. but yeah, CJ Gardner Johnson that uh, him and Michael Thomas just put him on the opposite ends of the bus.
2: And number nine DK Metcalf, only twenty three years old in Seattle. talk about a unicorn. I mean he, he again he we talked about this last week with Buddha Baker. DK Metcalf's now a meme yeah. with with how crazy athletic he is. and there's also the picture of him before the draft with how shredded he was it became another meme. He been he he his runs routes better than anyone thought coming to the NFL, and he has become that number one guy for Russell for Russell Wilson, and with Tyler Lockett on one side and him on the other, this this Seattle team might be getting older, but they still have plenty
1: of weapons that they can use. No one has ever basically just said shut the hell up better than DK Metcalf did. I mean, there were so many times in the the pre-draft conversation where he only can run certain routes he can't run the full route tree i remember there was a social clip out i think during his rookie his first uh his training camp and he tried to break down maybe on a maybe a 15 yard comeback route or something like that and he took multiple steps and off one 10 second clip people just crucified him and he he's way faster than i thought he would be um i think everyone never knew he would be this damn quick and he's i mean Again, a guy that's going to keep climbing up these lists as years to come because he's one of the younger guys on this list that we've been able to get to. But um, yeah, DK and the fact that he gets to play with Ross is is awesome. Like those two combined are really, really fun. And I look to DK Metcalf to be sniffing in the top 10 probably next year.
2: For sure. And of course, everyone talked about with DK Metcalf because yeah, we had a slower three cone than Tom Brady or whatever. He, he doesn't have to be the greatest route right runner when you're this athletic. He will. He will out jump you or out bustle you like Mike Evans does. He'll then run by you like Tyree Kill. And here's a fun stat: he is one of four NFL receivers with at least 2,200 yards and 17 touchdowns in his first two seasons. The others: Odell Beckham, AJ Green, Randy Moss. Good company. Yeah. And all of the and the three of them involve like just letters when they describe him. So there's DK, OBJ, AJ, and then there's Randy Moss.
1: That's when you know you've made it, though. Like, you you get called by one name. Like, Jordan. uh, That's the only one. Tiger. Gretzky. Like, when you're just DK, like, you've already got yourself there. And not Donkey Kong. Not DK. Yeah, not Donkey Kong. He looks like Donkey Kong, though. Shredded one.
2: So, number 10 is a guy who, I think, again, very underrated. I wanted him in Green Bay, but he's not. AJ Brown, and we get to another Tennessee Titan... This guy's just a tank. You cannot tackle him.
1: Talking of memes, too, uh, Metcalf and A.J. Brown were obviously teammates at Ole Miss, and they have that pic, that viral picture where Metcalf looks like the Hulk, but then A.J. Brown next to him is like, ah, dude, looks kind of small. And that's clearly not the freaking case. A.J. Brown, I don't know if he's a top 10 guy yet. I think there's uh, at least one or two guys lower on this list that should be in the top 10, but... I think what he's going to be able to do this next year is going to – he's going to be awesome. Um, just the dynamic between him and Julio is going to be crazy. You set up a little play action with Derrick Henry and that great offensive line, Tannehill's going to have an easy time slinging those big boys the rock. So um, Metcalf and Metcalf and A.J. Brown, the fact that they were teammates um, just goes to show like how much better Ole Miss should have been at that time. I think they had a really shitty quarterback position. Or quarterback, it, wasn't it? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Um, but those two – Man, they're going to be fun for a number of years and on really, really good teams.
2: And again, for teams like Houston, Jackson, who's got to play him twice, F in the chat for anyone who's got to try and tackle all those Titans guys, mm-hmm. whether it's Julio Brown or Derrick Henry, because you're going to hurt doing it. So, yeah, F in the chat. Honorable do mention receivers. We'll just cover these quickly because I know yeah. we've been recording for a long time already. We've still got mm-hmm. two positions to cover. Calvin Ridley came in next. Allen Robinson came in number 12 if he gets another contract from Chicago. Otto Beckham at number 13. Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, Adam Phelan, Terry McLaurin, and Jarvis Landry. That's a pretty good set of honorable mentions.
1: Pretty good set of honorable mentions. I think Ridley, you and I were talking, could be higher later on here. We'll see what he does without Julio Jones on the opposite side. Terry McLaurin, guy that's super slept on. Unfortunately, he's got a really, really bad team and bad quarterback play. He's been a part of. Odell Beckham, uh, he's still getting clout from you know the one-handed catch and just the the social media prowess that he has. But other than that, I think there's some solid names on this list. Um, And I just receivers are so damn fun to talk about. I think there's other guys we could discuss, but we don't have time for that. Like you said. All
2: right, so let's go to the backfield. Let's go to running backs. Do it. Do it again. Pretty good lists. I agree with, I think, nine of the ten of where they're ranked. Maybe a couple guys can move up. Mm-hmm. But number one, it's Derrick Henry. 2,000-yard I mean, yeah. rusher. You can't tackle him. He's the size of a tight end, of a blocking tight end. He, he is just a freak of nature. I, di- I didn't know until a few years ago that a guy that big could have a 99-yard touchdown and make it look easy.
1: No, doesn't make sense. It defies it defies logic and that's really what Derrick Henry does. And some people, myself included, when I saw this top ten, I'm like he only really runs the ball. He's not like a lot of these other guys in the list who are super versatile, but he dominates freaking games, dude. And you can't take him down. And if DK Metcalf and Buda Baker are a meme, Derek Henry is a meme generator. Like, he's creating memes every freaking game. Stiff-arming people, running for touchdowns, and he's just a viral clip anytime he gets the damn ball and gets to run behind an awesome offensive line we've already talked about.
2: Yeah, this Titans team is going to be fun. I don't know who's calling plays now with Arthur Smith in Atlanta, but they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, again, yeah, rest in peace, Josh Norman's career. Oh, yeah. No more. No, number two, Alvin Kamara. Talk about receiving. Best mm-hmm. receiving back in the NFL. Yeah. And that game against Green Bay last year, I want to burn the tape because that was just
1: absolutely absurd. I mean, it, was was to do. That, it was predictable as it was gonna happen, but never to the extent that it actually did happen. Um Alvin Kamara, he's dynamic as shit, fairly consistent, rarely injured, and if he's injured, he's usually playing through it. Um extremely extremely good and he's very very young he's going to be relied on a lot this year um 25 years old he's he is going to get so many damn targets it's stupid so if you're playing fantasy football go get him because he's very very consistent in a great offense gets to run behind an offense great offensive line and he's going to get fed
2: and and a couple of fun stats also very quickly with kamara he is one of three players with at least 80 receptions in his first four seasons in the nfl the other two guys are receivers, Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry. Damn. And he also had his 9.1 yards per catch was the most among running backs with at least 50 targets. And it was also higher than Juju.
1: <laughs> Juju's an idiot. <laughs> I had him on fantasy last year. He pissed me off and he still pisses me off. But uh, that is kind of funny. But yeah, I think I think Kamara's he sniffs. He just can't get to that number one spot. I just don't think because he's just so he just he's never there's never been like an absolute like huge progression because he's always just been so damn consistent since he came in the league. Similar like Mike Evans, like they just they get kind of overlooked because they've been so damn good. They never had that one viral year or two.
2: That and also Kamara also has always been in a committee yeah. at running back. Yep. He's never had a thousand yard season rushing. Right. But he's but he's an all around back, which is huge. Mm hmm. And it's also weird just seeing an uh, elite running back wearing number 41. That's just
1: terrible, terrible number. Shout out Dirk Nowitzki, but terrible number.
2: So number three is Delvin Cook in Minnesota. Again, great great back, got signed. I was mad when he fell to the Vikings in round two. Yeah. But he can he, he was great at Florida State, and he's been great in the NFL.
1: Yeah. Uh, deals with injuries quite often that's that's obvious and many many uh, running backs do. He uh but he's a dude that changes games and like you said going to for going to the Vikings in the second round sucked cuz we knew if he was healthy he was going to be really really good and he has been really good. Um super fast, tough to take down and has been an integral part of that offense with uh, Kirk Cousins. I mean single-handedly beat Green Bay last year. Yep. Yep. 1500 yards, 1500 plus yards, 16 touchdowns. Like he's He 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 picked up the slack with Stefan Diggs gone um, and probably will continue to do so with the lack of offensive uh, talent they have um, on that side of the ball. For
2: sure. Number four is Nick Chubb in Cleveland. Again, kind of broke out late. Uh, Former second former I think second round pick out of Georgia. Mm -hmm. Again, just consistent. He's his numbers, when you look at it, aren't going to create like be crazy, but he's going to get you five yards. He's going to get you a thousand yards. He'll get you double digit touchdowns. And he just he finds the hole. His vision is great. And behind I, that offensive line in Cleveland, he's gonna get the numbers.
1: Oh, yeah. Excellent. Um always, always getting positive yards. Like he's so like almost eclipsed a thousand yards every season. He missed in his rookie year by four yards, but he's really, really, really good. Had a little injury bug last year, which allowed Kareem Hunt to kind of take over. Uh, but yeah, Nick Chubb, maybe not a top four, top five guy. Uh there's a couple guys we're gonna get to later on the list. But um, that's going to be interesting to debate here. But, um, yeah, I like Kareem Hunt, big fan of him. Or, excuse me, I like Nick Chubb, big fan of him.
2: Number five, and here we get to another all-around back. He's got to really bounce back from injury and not have fantasy owners be knocking on his door with torches and pitchfork. That's Christian McCaffrey.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you can rate Christian McCaffrey this low. I just I know he's been injured and had but he's went ball in hand, he's extremely tough to stop. I just think it's a little disrespectful to put him this low. Um not sure why he's that low, but there are a lot of good running backs. So I guess someone's gotta be there, but I think he he's probably better than Nick Chubb. Um you know, maybe I'm basing that off of fantasy football type stuff, but Christian's really, really damn good. One of the better running backs in the league, too.
3: Yeah,
2: it's more with him because like, he he's he's like an Alvin Kamara type where he's gonna just have numbers all across the spectrum, whether it's receiving, rushing, passing, who knows. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that knows last year he missed so much time last year, but none of his 59 carries went for more than 15 yards. Interesting, which so which may hurt him a little bit. For sure, because he he's not the biggest guy either at 5'11, 205, compared to other running backs. True. Sure. Number six, and this is the one I have the biggest question about because he was number one last year and he's number six now and that's saquon barkley mm-hmm. i don't know coming off a knee injury for sure which is a big issue especially for a guy with his speed coming off a torn acl and even when he was healthy his running style is very boomer bus he dances in the backfield he doesn't get upfield very well and if he if he got tackled for a loss so much his first couple of years that it makes me a little bit skeptical of how his career goes forward.
1: I agree. I agree. Dropping from number 1 to number 6 based off an injury is is tough. He doesn't have a lot of, you know, he's got two full years under his belt. Um unfortunately he's got a shitty offensive line to run behind. That does not help him at all consistently bottom few. We'll see how he bounces back. Um it'll probably take him at least till the 2020 2022 campaign to probably get to full health, Um, but he's an absolute monster, and maybe he'll be able to bounce back and be extremely healthy come week one.
2: For sure. So number seven is Zeke Elliott in Dallas. Again, he's only 25 years old, and when he is on, when he is in shape, when he's motivated, when he is running behind Tyron Smith, he's great. But since he got paid, he hasn't been the same guy. He's had fumble issues. He hasn't... Mm -hmm. He's always seemed like a little bit too big at this point, almost like he's bulked up too much. Right. And it just it just hasn't – he hasn't been that guy the
1: last couple of years. No. Um, I think Zeke's just like a polarizing dude. I think that's really what it comes down to. Like he was force-fed the first few years in the league, dealt with injuries a little bit in his sophomore campaign, but always, always, always putting up some numbers. Had a little bit of a down year this past year. I expect him to rebound. Um, that team was in in shambles. But yeah, since he's been paid it's a little bit different, but that's pretty consistent for many, many players. But Zeke Elliott, say what you want about him. He's kind of a a goofball off the field, kind of does some stuff on the field where you're questioning, but really, really hard runner. And um you no, know, he he's damn good and he has ran behind a great offensive line for his entire career.
2: For sure. And then one last single, he's fumbled five more times in three of his first five seasons. Not good. Okay. So number 8 Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. He was ranked as high as number 4 as low as number 13. He got a top 10 vote on basically every ballot. 1000 yards, good receiver, takes care of the football and also spectacular off the field. Like Aaron Jones is an elite running back.
1: Yeah, he's awesome, dude. Um he every year has leveled up in my opinion. Um, he has lived up to those expectations every year when we have these preseason rankings or, you know, what they think he can do. The fact that he's still in green and gold, I've said this time and time again, is incredible. I thought after the Tampa Bay game and the way his season ended, um, along with the team, I didn't think he would be a Packer and somehow they were able to pull that shit off and re-sign him, which is incredible. Extremely versatile. Uh, he has a unique skill set. I think you know there, he's a receiving back. He can do a lot of different stuff, but he's he's really really good and has that breakaway speed. Um, number number eight, properly slotted, possibly even could climb higher up on the list depending where you want to put Barkley. But um, yeah, AJ AJ uh, he's fun and I'm super happy that he's a Packer going to 2021.
2: For sure. Then Joe Mixon comes in at number nine, uh, underrated back in Cincinnati. He's been pretty solid for them, but he's got to stay healthy.
1: Yeah, bad offensive line, bad team. Mixon, when healthy, is great, but unfortunately that hasn't been very common. Uh, I like Joe Mixon. I think he's a good player. I think he's got a a good opportunity. He might you know, at some point have a change of scenery, but I think when healthy, very, very solid, very versatile guy. Has some issues, I feel like, getting through the line. He has got some indecisiveness, like you mentioned with um, Saquon Barkley, but um, that might just be because they're both on really, really shitty offensive line teams.
2: And then number 10, there's actually a tie between Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor. They tied in votes, but they gave it to Jacobs on a tiebreaker. Where would you put them? Would you have Jacobs or
1: Taylor higher? I'm a big fan of Jonathan Taylor. Unfortunately, it was only his rookie year. So I'm not giving these guys, like I've said earlier on, I think Jonathan Taylor has a really good opportunity to be on an incredible career based off of what the Colts look like right now. They have a great team around them. Great offensive line, as we mentioned. Josh Jacobs, I think, is super solid. Has done a lot with a little. But uh, you can't have a tie, dude. That's it's like, you can't you can't do that. I think Josh Jacobs above uh, Jonathan Taylor's fine. I, I'm good with that. But I think Jonathan Taylor will definitely be in the top ten next year.
2: Yeah, Taylor comes in as a first honorable mention. And the quote was, he'll be a top five back by the end of the season. Watch him in the second half last year. He is on his way. Kareem Hunt was also honorable mention. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was honorable mention. And so was Miles Sanders at running back. So, man, I know we've been recording for a long time. We can have a long podcast as well. So how do you feel about talking about quarterbacks next week? Because we have a lot to talk about with that position, with some of the rankings that are absolutely absurd. We could probably go on 45 minutes just on quarterbacks.
1: I think it's a great idea. Let's leave a little bit meat on the bone. And um, because the quarterback debate is going to be solid. And I think there's... Like you said, based off of this, if anyone's looked at this list, this list is pretty wild. So I think we put a pin in it and save that for uh, next week, and hopefully Gage can join us. For sure. So we'll wrap things up here. Matt, where can people find you? You can still find me on Twitter, at Matt underscore Frey underscore. Um, hit me up on there. That's that's the best place to get in contact with me. I'm I'm kind of... Enjoying the summer a little bit because I know the uh, training camp starts in 10 days and we're going to be pretty busy. Check out Game on Wisconsin content all across all of our platforms, content. Well, I think we have articles already starting on Monday again. Uh, we're getting out of our dark dark time and getting ramped up for the, uh, I guess, training camp preseason, et cetera. Um, I will also be launching a podcast soon with Game on Wisconsin. More details to come with that. So look for that as on my Twitter as well, at Matt underscore Frey underscore. Uh, Mike, where can everyone find your stuff and what are you working on?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Mike Wendlandt, all one word. Right now I'm just I'm broadcasting uh, basically full-time. I'm working for Zaleski Sports out of Marshfield, Wisconsin. I'm uh, covering American Legion baseball a lot this summer. I'm, I'm actually in Plover. I've been all week. I'll be covering the Marshfield Regional next week. So that's going to be a three-game uh, day next Wednesday. And, of course, once football comes out, I'll be covering a lot of the teams in central Wisconsin. And maybe into the valley a little bit as well in, in central and north central Wisconsin over the fall. But of course, find us as well at Packaday Podcast again on our YouTube channel as well at Packaday Podcast on YouTube and wherever your favorite podcast platforms are found as well. We will be there. And also give us a subscription, five stars rating, let us know how we're doing. And we will be here every day until the end of time or the world collapses, whichever one comes first. So for Matt Freilich, this is Mike Weiland saying so long. Thanks for joining us this week and joining us this day. Everyone, stay cool, stay safe, always carry the G, and as always, Go Pack Go.